Kevin had an, it's, it's an Achilles injury. I don't know uh, the extent of it. He'll have an MRI tomorrow. Um, pri- prior to coming back, he went through four weeks with our medical team and um, it was thorough and it was experts and multiple MRIs and multiple doctors um, and we felt good about the process uh, he was cleared to play tonight that, that was a collaborative decision um, I don't believe there's anybody to blame but I understand this, this world and um, if you have to you can blame me I, ru- I run our basketball de- operations department All right, that was Bob Myers, uh, general manager of the Golden State Warriors. Obviously very, very emotional after what transpired, not only last night during the game, but obviously the last month as Kevin Durant has had this injury. There's been so much speculation. Would he play? Would he return? And obviously he does. He looks great, and then all of a sudden he doesn't. He comes up in a heap, and he's pointing to his leg. He gets taken off. And Bob Meyer's reaction there is as emotional as you'll see from a front office member um, and just a devastating blow to not only just the Warriors and Kevin Durant, but to the NBA when you think about the implications this could have for the league itself. It's just a really, really tough blow. Yeah, this was worst case scenario um, for everybody involved. I mean, it was just – first, let me start by saying I appreciate that, that Bob Myers got up there and did his job. You know, he you're the figurehead there. You know, there has to be a voice from Golden State about what transpired. And most people might not give him a lot of credit for it this morning. But that was really big of him, right? And, and to put that out there, um, the way he did to take ownership of, of, you know, the unfortunate, you know, situation, a lot of organizations, Lakers, teams like that, like they don't, they don't have that, right? And so that, you know, his ability to get up there and do that and his willingness to do that and his, his, his foresight and be able to say someone has to get up here and, and get this done or this could be a mess. Like I applaud him for that. That had to be a tough press conference to give. Obviously he's up there crying. Um, Kevin Durant. As soon as he came out and 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 I saw him moving around, I told my boys, they were watching with me and my wife, I said, he is not right. And he looked fine and he was making shots, but I told him, I said, look, he's not doing anything but catching and shooting jump shots. The one time he tried to come off of a little pin down, he missed the, he missed the rim by like three feet. It was an air ball and that was from like the elbow area. So he is not right. That, that he should not be out there playing on that. And when he got hurt, you know, I, I didn't, I told you, I didn't, he was not supposed to play again this year. Mm-hmm. And, the only question I have now, and I mean, I have a lot of them, but one of the biggest ones is, was that a true calf injury from the beginning? Or was it closer to the Achilles, right? Because the cat, you know, the calf and the Achilles wind up connecting some part. Where in that, you know, anatomical structure was the initial injury? Um, and it's just, dude, this is devastating for not, not, not just for Kevin Durant, but for Golden State. You know, it, it, for teams that had been clearing cap space and working on on trading assets to have the flexibility to incorporate a Kevin Durant and another star, like this changes the landscape of the NBA. And you know, I, I feel terrible for KD though. I, I applaud his willingness to come back and fight for his team and fight with his brothers. I, 
You know, I don't know who was out there questioning his toughness. I mean, I'm hearing all that this morning. I, if you did that, shame on you. Like there, but you know, Danny. Sometimes players, and we we don't like to do this as media and as fans. We don't like to we don't like to give players the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you have to protect yourself. You you know, and you know, even in a situation like this where there's a championship on the line, and you you feel like you owe it as a player. You always feel like that. You feel like you owe it. I got to get out there. I got to give them what I got. Well, this is what can happen sometimes if, if, if you do that and you're not ready to, to, to come back. This is obviously the worst case scenario for Kevin Durant. Um, yesterday on this show, you were out. Will Meadowbrooks was in. Yeah. I was imploring Kevin, imploring Kevin Durant to play. Yeah. Saying, I don't care if you're 50%, you've got to give it a try. You've yep. got to try to go. It's elimination. It's time. You put your body, you sacrifice your body on the line. Um, I still feel that way because I feel like, and this is where I don't know. And Bob Myers said, Hey, you know, I'm going to take the blame. I realize somebody has to take the blame. Cause I see a lot of blame being thrown around like, Hey, you know, he should have never played. He should have never been out there. I am giving some people the benefit of the doubt here. Mm-hmm. I think it probably was a situation where Kevin Durant wants to play. He's been hearing a lot of the criticism. Hey, you know, is he just more worried about the future? He doesn't care about the Warriors. I don't think it was a heart thing. I think people thought he was more selfish than he was going to play for another team. Right. Um, so my, my hunch is what happened is that he goes to the medical staff. They obviously know way more than we did, especially if there's some of these rumors are true that it wasn't really his calf, that it could have been his Achilles right. all along. They know it, but that he went to the medical staff and you and I have had this conversation. The question that you ask as a player, is is it a pain issue or can I hurt it worse? Right. That's the question I always had. And if it was, it's just a pain issue, then I'm like, all right, I'll go through it. Right. Especially if it's in a championship elimination game. I'm going to do that. And if they said, you can hurt it worse, then I'm like, all right, I don't care if it is game seven. I don't want to risk the rest of my career. Right. My hunch is that, and I think Rachel Nichols, I even saw her say this, that he was told you cannot hurt it worse. Then it's like, all right, was it just a mistake, a misdiagnosis. I don't, I don't want to believe that Bob Myers and the medical staff said behind closed doors, man, he could still hurt this if he goes out there. I think they might have just misdiagnosed it. And, and listen, we can speculate all, all we want. The bottom line is you got it wrong. And you could, when, when tears are shed and those faces were looking as grim as they were and Kevin Durant looked the way he looked, there are going to be some, questions that have to be answered by people they're going to be heads that probably roll because of this like Mm -hmm. this is this isn't a little one like you you've taken you know the best player on the planet possibly and you could have ruined his career i mean i let who do you know has come back from an achilles and been at 30 where close to the same player that they were before they got injured it doesn't happen kobe had it not nearly the same you know boogie remains to be seen even though he wasn't the best player on the planet dominique wilkins had it Never the same. Like this is, this is a catastrophic miss. Even if I, I don't, I don't believe they conspired behind Kevin Durant's back. I don't believe that, but we still missed, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think that there's a real pressure that a player feels, even if it's not articulated from an organization. And even if they're trying to protect you, there's, there's a pressure that starts to mount, you know, and, and you can't help it. Like you, you, you know, you want to win. You guys have a championship right in front of you. You can feel it. You can see how close you are, even without Kevin Durant, right? And so, you know, I, I think the worst thing that they did in, in in this this whole process was 
let it linger as to what this injury was. Remember, they were being really coy, and you thought it was gamesmanship about like how injured he was. Right. And it was always like, well, he could be back. Well, he could be back. And in the player's mind, you know, you're this is registering with you. You see that injury. You see. Listen, it's doubtful that he'll play the rest of this. We don't think he'll play again this this uh this off season. And then just shelf him. And let him start to recover and let him start to heal. And, and if, if that changes, well, then it, roll him out. But I think leaving the door open has a player on the hook for some pressure to start mounting on him, right? And I do believe Kevin Durant knew that he was. He knew that. He could feel that. I watched him, Danny. But I saw that. I think he went out there thinking, all right, I might not be 100%. Maybe I'm 60 Whatever the percentage was. And he was thinking, I'm going to try to impact this game no matter what, which I have a tremendous amount of respect Here's, for. Like I, I feel like I have more respect now for Kevin Durant and his legacy as a competitor and a teammate than I did before. Now he had to sacrifice nah, a lot bro. to do that, but I look nah, at him differently. Nah, bro. Look, the, I, I did the same thing Kevin Durant did. Again, the, I need to know where in his, in his lower leg, that that initial injury was mine was up high in the in the belly of my calf muscle. Right, so I wasn't really risking tearing an Achilles coming back. The difference being, like I wasn't the best player on the planet by any stretch of the imagination, and I was locked up for three more years in a contract. There's some security there. Right, you are becoming a free agent now at the age of thirty, and all of this stuff is on the table. I'm not. You, 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 there has to be more caution with that injury, and I get and I give him credit. Like I'm not, but. He knew he could feel that 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 leg wasn't right, and but don't you think some of the most heroic, epic performances in the history of sports have come because guys took the risk that he took? Like you go back to Ronnie Lott, who cut off his finger because he kept wanting to play in the fam- Super Bowl. You had Kurt Schilling with the bloody sock game. Yeah, you had Madison Bumgarner not that long in a World Series. Bloody sock, it's a blister. I, no, this was something it's more a blister, serious. Than a blister, man. No, he had an ankle surgery, right? Had, it was something yes, like that. Yeah. So, but I mean, like the Willis Reed game. Like you have guys come back from injuries and they're not 100 percent, and they risk further injury to be a hero. And I think that's where I'm okay with Kevin Durant making this. Now, all right, we can disagree on that, but moving forward. I don't think this impacts his bottom line no. at all. Cause I, th- I still think he'll either, he'll get a max contract from somebody or he'll take the player option and re- need rehab in Golden State for $31 million yeah. and then get him, like he can get a new deal then. I don't think it's going to affect his bottom line. Yeah. I think it's going to take a year out of his prime years. He'll never be awful. the same. You don't think so? He'll never be the same. I'm saying it right now. Kevin Durant will never be the same coming off of that Achilles injury. Not saying that he won't be good again. Right. Or that he won't regain, you know, some kind of form, but you never come back the same from an Achilles. Go find me an instance where somebody has. They don't. And so I agree with you that it won't affect his bottom line. People have, they've started planning for this opportunity years ago. Yeah. Liquidating, uh, getting moving pieces, getting rid of draft picks. And Knicks got rid of Chris Porzingis. I, I talked to people in the NBA when it went down and asked them what they thought about it. They were like, they're, he's going to get the deal. Like that's not going to affect the deal. So, I mean, that's one part of it. A good for Kevin Durant. And again, I want to say, like, I, I, like, I applaud the effort and the heart that Kevin Durant displayed last night. I just, you know, I, I gotta be more cautious, um, you know, in, in that scenario. And it's easier said than done. Like, I'm not, I'm not judging. Like, I'm playing the result for sure. Do you think it's, but he'll never be the same. Do you think it's different because it's the Achilles? Cause we've seen horrific injuries. Uh, Paul George was one, one of the worst, nastiest injuries when he was playing for USA basketball. Absolutely. Was, you know, it was a, a fractured, whatever, tibia. And yeah. It was awful. Bone, this bo- is different. Dude, bones, bones heal 
right? And then it's just about the strength of that bone or not. When you're talking about like an Achilles tendon for a basketball player, for someone that everything you do is predicated on explosive movements, like you, you don't get the pliability back in that. You don't get the natural elasticity back in that. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. I mean, if you can give me a case, I'll shut my mouth. But if you can show me one dude who's ever come back from an Achilles and moved the way he did before he got the Achilles torn, that thing popped. It looked like a rupture when you saw his calf. Did you see his calf? Move? Yeah, yeah. It was you, ugly, dude. The slow motion replay of that one. Uh, the thing that would concern me too, and this is what happens, it's the reason you don't see many guys who have it at a younger age. It doesn't really occur at a younger age. It right. happens like right around when you're 30, which is exactly how old he is, mm-hmm. which makes me concerned because of the age factor as well, because you don't recover as fast. You do. There are lingering effects, and it's just it makes it that much more challenging. Kevin Durant is a seven foot six eleven unicorn. Yep. Um, he's had foot problems in the past. That was part of what was happening to him in in Oklahoma City. There are only so many miles on the body. Everybody's odometer is different. Every car you buy is different, right? The odometer, you know, some cars go a couple hundred thousand miles. I don't know. Some, right. You know, like it, it, this is one of those things for Kevin Durant, and I really do hope I'm wrong. Where his age, his injuries in the feet in the past, like it's going to make it really, really difficult for him to come back and be the dude that we're used to seeing um, for the last couple of years, and and that's unfortunate. Do you? So you think Boogie's not coming back either? You don't think he'll be the same player, even though he started to come? But see, Boogie's game is issue, different, and he had the quad. Like it leads to other issues sometimes. Yeah, sure. You know, look that that first year back. If anybody watched Boogie play whenever he came back this year, he looked terrible. Now, everyone was just excited to see him on the court. And I don't mean terrible in terms of being a basketball player. He's clearly a phenomenal basketball player. Physically, he looked terrible. He was limping, right. he was noticeably dragging that leg. And that's what that Achilles looks like when you come back. And that was after a full rehab, strength work. I mean, he was cleared to play. And he still looked awful physically. It's not an easy injury to shake. And Boogie will come back and he'll look way better next year, I imagine. Um but he'll never be himself either. They play their game completely different, though. Bo- Boogie's a big fella. Didn't have a whole lot he of lift to begin his, with. Right. Kevin Durant's stuff is predicated on quick movements, sharp, quick cuts, and getting up in the air. That That's not going to be the same. Uh, so Boogie's obviously going to be somebody that KD can rely on on how to go through this injury. Uh, he also, Boogie Cousins also is pretty outspoken of what transpired right after Kevin Durant went down when you had Toronto fans cheering. Here's Boogie Cousins on uh, their reaction. What do you think about the people who questioned Katie's heart and how long it was taking him to return? Damn. The fans, some of the fans cheering when he went down. Trash. So trash. But like I said, we only idolize superstar athletes, not human beings. It's always about what we can do. Between those lines. That's it. That's all that ever matters. And then once we lash out and, you know, do human type things, then we consider bad guys. All right. So some interesting starts, uh, thoughts there from Demarcus Cousins. The first question obviously was, uh, the people who questioned his heart, he said bleep them. Then he had some strong thoughts on the Toronto fans. This is where there's an interesting dynamic that takes place between athletes and fans. And it can be a very bittersweet relationship because you realize you make a lot of money because of the fans, but they're also the same fans that will boo you, that will sell you out, that will look at you like a piece of meat and be ready for the next guy in a heartbeat. And it's a very complex relationship. 
And I personally, like, as soon as I heard, I was like, wait a second. Cause you're thinking Toronto's supposed to be this nice atmosphere yeah. and they're supposed to be nice people. And I heard them cheering. I was like, that, that can't be. And then I'm like, they really are. They yeah. are cheering Kevin Durant being hurt worse. Yep. And I don't think there's a worse look you can have in all the sports. Um, yeah, it was a terrible look. Boogie, I'm with Boogie in that if you were ever questioning Kevin Durant, like shame on you. Like, I'm not going to say what he said, but if I was right. off air, I would. Yeah. Shame on you for that. Um, I want to give some of those fans the benefit of the doubt. They were caught up in the moment. They didn't really realize what was happening. I would like to. I can't. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know how many of them did it. I thought it was really cool that the Raptors themselves, the players, did the best job they could of telling those people to shut the bleep up and, 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 you know, that we don't, we don't act like that. You, you never want to cheer when a guy gets hurt like that. Even if in your heart of hearts, Danny, like, you know, that gets you closer to a championship. And let's be real. Like, I've played on teams before. I wasn't going to feel bad if somebody got hurt. I mean, I've lost, we've, we've lost opportunities at championships because somebody else got hurt. Like, you've, you've, you've either been affected by that negatively or it's, or it's been a positive for you, but you're never, cheering for someone to get injured right and so i think i want to hope that the toronto fans in that moment just were in that moment and they didn't understand the gravity of what had just taken place but it was a terrible look and i want to actually give the raptors team credit for for going out there and asking their fans to cut the the dumb the dumb stuff out right because it was really dumb and i think the players had a better perspective on how serious it could be i'm sure that and this is where you know coco was like you got to shred the fans of toronto which a lot of people were doing and i think it was deserved in that moment but I also, I think fans get so caught up. I'm, sh- and this is where I'm maybe I'm being naive, but I'm sure they were like, "Oh, he's done for the game. He's not going to be done for a year." Like in that moment, yeah, they were the probably moment. thinking, oh, "Okay, he has this to go out." This gets us a win. It gets yeah. us a win right now. You're exactly. not thinking about his legacy, his career, and, and all that. And they did rebound pretty nice. The fans did by clapping sure. and chanting KD when they realized, "Oh, he's leaving the arena. Like he's leaving the court. It's not just a game, and it is a little bit more serious." Toronto has really good fans. Yeah. I, you know, we played there a lot. I, 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 it was a terrible look for you guys. You were wrong for that. But I, I give them the benefit of the doubt in that it was in the moment. And I would say every single fan base in the NBA probably would have done the same thing. Don't you agree? <sighs> some some people in every arena would have done. Yeah, and they're always the ones that you hear because a lot of times there's an injury, it goes silent, right? You know, and like so it's it's just that reaction. It's the loudest reaction. I think other fan bases that are more more that have had more basketball played in their arenas, if you will, would have handled that different. I, right. I just do. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like that. The other part of what Demarcus said, that relationship between fans and players. You know, that's a really interesting one for me because you know, I say this a lot. You know, we, we have this argument about booing, you know, your home team and, and, and stuff like that. They, you're typically not viewed as being hu- human. Yep. You're just not. You're, you're just viewed as, you know, this thing that goes out there and entertains and it's there for our amusement. And, you know, while you may be invested in the wins and losses like the players are, it's never the same investment. You know what I mean? And there's very, there are very few fans, I think, that have real personal regard for their players. There are some really good ones, and I've met them. Like in, right. you know, like I had a bell tower, and I had those people were invested, like in in me as a person, you know, and not not just our team, but like they knew my kids, they knew my kids' names, like they gave my kids books, like we, you know, my wife and I would interact with them. Those are relationships. Like everybody else in that arena is just cheering for you when you're playing good for their team, you know, and then it's there's no human you know, a, a side that's attached to that for a fan. And it's a really complicated relationship. And, you know, Boogie's one of the dudes who's, who's 
who's only a human to his point when he does something bad. Right. Like that, that's. And he's when, been on the brunt of a lot of criticism from fans and media members alike. And probably is all I love. It's unfair. Right. But it's kind of the, uh, the, the part of it's the, the nature of the beast. Athlete. Yeah. That's what it is. But, it's but a it's a real, th- it's a real thing though. Right. So like, I'm not going to discount when Boogie says it. I, I'm not really complaining about it. It pays the bills. Yep. It's what you sign up to do. But I'm not going to sit here and be, be like, be naive and tell you that like fans are, are, are great all the time and that they, they care about you. They, most of the time they don't. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Danny Canel, Rajah Bell hanging out, talking a little NBA finals. All right. So we broke down the Kevin Durant injury pretty well. Uh, the fan reaction. There was a game that happened, by the way, when it happened, when the injury happened, Golden State looked really good. They had a pretty good lead. I think they were up six or seven or eight, maybe. Uh, I think most people were probably like, and I saw this unfolding on social media. Oh, they're done. Mm-hmm. Like the series is over. Their Toronto is going to celebrate tonight. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, hold on a second. The fans might have woken up the the, uh, the Warriors to some extent. Like they were obviously irritated by it. But I also said, you still have Steph and Clay. You have a team in the Toronto Raptors who's trying to do something they never have done before. They're doing it at home. The pressure starts to mount. It's a unique pressure because. You're supposed to win now. Closing out, Kevin, is, closing out is the hardest thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like that's the next step in building a championship franchise is you get yourself into position, you get a number one seed, you advance to a finals, and then this is the hardest part is yeah. closing it out. And so all of a sudden, they find themselves in this position where they're expected to win. Mm-hmm. They struggle to close out not only the game, but the end of the game in the fourth quarter when they had this lead. Um so I was, I didn't count them out. They actually end up losing the game. Golden State got hot at exactly the right time. Toronto mounted a really good charge at the end. They, mm-hmm. or excuse me, they had control and let it go. Let me ask you first about the Nick Nurse timeout because he was getting shredded online. Like it was the worst timeout I've ever seen. I don't think it worked that great for him. Um, but let, let me hear you. Let's hear from his explanation first on why he called it. Yeah, well, we had two free ones that you lose under the three-minute mark, and uh, we just came across and, and just decided to give those guys a rest. And uh, we had we had back-to-back ones there that we would have lost under the three-minute mark, and just thought we could use the extra energy push. All right, did you have as much of? I did not have a massive problem. I think it really unfolded poorly for him the way after that it did. But the majority of people are like, oh, this is a high school coach wouldn't call timeout there. And I just don't think that's accurate. It's a terrible timeout. You are on it. <laughs> in retrospect. That's <laughs> a Come force. on, man. You're playing the result. As we, like, look, in that moment, I was with Nick Nurse. I thought Kawhi was gassed. Kawhi hadn't been playing very well up until this point. He had a pretty subpar game. And he strung together, I don't know, 11 quick ones. They stretched that lead out. And you've got to trust a coach who's been with his team a hundred games to know when his team is running out of gas. And if he decides at that point he wants to give him a quick blow and try to come back out, I'm with that. Now it didn't work out for him and he's got to, you know, answer the questions Which this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. But I did not have a problem with him calling the timeout there because I thought he was gassed. Yeah, they were trailing, uh, the Warriors were trailing at the time 103.97. They called this timeout. They gave him a rest. And, you know, typically the team that is struggling is the team that calls timeout because you're trying to stop the, their right. momentum. Right. You know, that's typically the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the, what happens in that strategy wise in that game. But you also sometimes, and this is where I think fans and, uh, media members sometimes struggle with this. Sometimes you just tip your cap to the other team. Like they got hot. They made three consecutive threes. Right. They did their job 
and it just kind of unfolded that way, and it's they're getting paid too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Golden State is a champion. Um, they were going to come out and respond, whether you whether you took that time out or not. At some point, they were going to punch back. They weren't just going to lie down and let you walk away with a championship because you put on a nine to two run. In those, uh, if you're Nick Nurse and you're looking at that, Kawhi just ran off eleven straight points, yeah. all in ISO situations. That doesn't keep happening. Like you guys don't go off for twenty in a row in straight ISOs. Oh, right. At some point, you got to get a little organization and figure out how we're going to attack them, right? And try to get some easy buckets. So, like, if I'm playing the odds there, if I'm Nick Nurse too, all right, he's, he just ran off eleven. Let's get a quick timeout and see if we can get get our get ourselves back together. This was an interesting game, Dan. I want to go back to the start of the game because it was one of those where Golden State came out. You got Kevin Durant back. Energy was at an all time high. You know, made every shot, and they were five, five, three, six for six threes. They were just going crazy. And you look up, and Toronto's only down like six. Yep. I was saying in my house, oh, this is not good for Golden State. Yep. This is one of those where if you've hit them with all these haymakers and they're still standing there, it's going to be a problem for Golden State. Um, then, then he goes down, and Golden State responded, and they pushed that thing out to twelve or thirteen. Once I saw Kawhi reel them in, and 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 Toronto came back, I did think it was over. I thought it was going to be a wrap. Um, and then after that timeout. They lost their focus, Toronto did defensively. They just weren't sharp. They were blown assignments. They, they were guys that weren't attached. Um, there were, there were, you know, lapses in, 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 in focus where they looked away and then, and Steph popped for a three. Guys weren't attached and showing on those screens. You were letting guys who through most of that game you were committed to taking away. You were letting them get the shots that they wanted. They just kind of fell asleep at the wheel. And, you know, Kawhi, Pascal Siakam, did not play great. Kawhi was nine for twenty-four, but eleven of those were in that in that quick little spurt. Other than that, he didn't play great. He had a subpar performance. Pas- Pascal Siakam didn't play great. Your your guys, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and then Boogie Cousins play better than their guys, and that's what it boils down to sometimes. Uh the final possession, Kyle Lowry had a look. Uh he says uh it was Draymond, right, that closed out, that got a piece yeah. of the ball. Uh his quote was he got a piece of it, that's what great defenders do. He got a piece of it and we'll continue to look at it and how we can do better for the next game. Do you have any problem with the last look I did. Kyle Lowry? It should I, be I, Kyle I, no, I, I didn't have a problem with Kyle Lowry getting it. The way that played out, and you gotta forgive me, um there was a backcourt violation. Did they call a timeout? Because they had one left. Were they coming out of a timeout here? Uh no. Because here's where I thought he should have called the timeout. Right. After that, after that backcourt violation, there should have been a timeout and there should have been something structurally. It, it was a boogie offensive. Oh, yeah, boogie offensive foul. My bad. They didn't go to timeout. I would have burned a timeout there. Right. Six seconds. Let's get organized. What happened was you came, not six, but, uh, whatever. Five point six. Right. They, they come across half court and I thought that Kawhi held the ball too long. Uh, the, that double started coming. He held it. Then he tried to drive right. They just didn't have enough time. They weren't organized at the end. And so my beef with the timeout, if I had one, would have been get them organized for that last play when you have a chance to win by one. And what doesn't get talked about um, in that possession, Draymond Green makes a ridiculous block. He actually blocks that. There's a picture this morning of him getting fingers yeah, on it. Tip. When Kawhi Leonard goes to his right, I think he's got Clay and whoever's guarding him, Andre Iguodala maybe. Now you're playing uh, three on four everywhere else on the court. The ball gets swung to the left, I think it was Fred Van Vliet. Right? All right. Let's see. All right, boom. Here's Clay on him. Um, Andre Godala soft double team. Fred Van Vliet gets it. Livingston, right there where where um, Draymond Green stays on the outside shoulder of, of Marcus Holt. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Because Marcus Holt, if he goes out and closes out to Kyle Lowry before, look at him. Look at him stay in the pocket. He works. He stays on top of him. He's outside of him. 
right? Yep. It's a huge play because real talk, Mark Gasol should have thrown a hand up. They could have slipped that to Mark Gasol. That's a layup. Right. Right. But but Draymond was just in perfect position to confuse what was happening there, make Gasol look like he was covered, still get out to Kyle Lowry. If you get sealed inside of that screen, man, that's that you're not getting out to that corner. Yep. Huge play by him. Really uh good defense there from Draymond at the end of the game. If you're wondering what we're talking about, if you're listening to the podcast, you can watch this every day at CBS Sports HQ streaming online. Uh, on your tablet, on your smart TV, wherever it is, and you can see the videos we're talking about. All right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. NFL offseason in swing. You've got a lot of OTAs taking place, mandatory mini camps. One of the biggest storylines uh, from the Carolina Panthers is Cam Newton is healthy. Mm-hmm. He's coming off surgery, uh, and he's unveiled. You know what I did this morning? I took 27 minutes. There was a 27-minute YouTube video yeah. of him at camp, and it followed every single thing he did. I was watching his new... He got a new motion. Throwing motion. Yeah. This major uh, mechanical shift that he has. Uh, his own quote is a massive change to his mechanics. It How might feel look, about that? I don't like it at all. Um, here's why. It might look great now. Do you see anybody around him in this clip of what we're doing? Like, it's very no, controlled. Is, yes, absolutely. It's warm-ups. He's throwing some one-on-one routes. He's doing some other things, even in seven-on-seven. He is 30 years old. When he gets into a game in September... He's going to revert back to the way he's always thrown the football. All you have to do is ask Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow told us a zillion times, I'm going to work. I'm going to put in all the hours. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to shorten up. I'm going to tighten up my delivery. Yeah. And you know what happened when he got into games? He went back to the way he threw the ball since he was five or six years old. That is my hunch with what Cam Newton is going to happen to him. Did you think he needed to change his his motion? Uh, Not his motion. I thought his mechanics, more his footwork. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but that's not I, what he's talking about. No, right? you can tell it is an arm motion because he has had an elongated motion, which I don't have a massive problem with. It's not like he has a slow release. It's just he's six five. There's going to be a longer process, right? To longer his motion. Arm. I don't think either, and this is where maybe his doctors have told him differently or why he's working on this. I don't think his motion, because it was long, was leading to any. You know, injury issues. I right. think he was hurt because he runs and he gets banged up and he takes a lot of vicious hits. Right. Um, I would say it's not the prettiest motion I've ever seen. Like I always kind of go back to Dan Marino or there's some guys that when they throw the football, it just looks effortless. Right. You know, like I, Kyler Murray. Like right. I, when I watch Kyler Murray throw, he's smaller, but I think he's got a cannon and it doesn't look like he's trying very hard. It just comes off of his arm. And I think Cam Newton has a little bit of a longer motion. It's a little bit more elongated, but. He was coming off his highest percentage, completion percentage of his career at 67%. I thought he was showing improvement there. Now, again, I think this has to be somebody telling him maybe this is why you were getting hurt. But throwing a football is not like baseball. You don't see Tommy John surgeries in, in football because guys have elbow exposure. Usually if you can get it there and it works – and it's effective. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you because yeah. you're using your entire body. You're not just using well, your elbow. It's like a jump shot, right? Like yeah. there are some mechanical things, and fundamentally, you'd want to see. I imagine it's the same. I never threw a football, but um, there are different strokes for different folks, right? Right. Like, there are different ways it's going to catch. So you, you, you know, as long as the framework of what you're trying to do is pretty good, and you, to your point, you can get it there. I always worry about basketball players, and I ask you about football players. Is when you're really like, let's use the kid um, that played with with Philly this year. Um, what's his name, Debo? What's the kid's name, Markel Fultz? Mm-hmm. When you really start trying to get in there and really tinker with somebody's and just change their whole thing after they're at adulthood, you know? Yep. Like, what does that do to a guy's confidence in either the new one or the old one now? Because you've 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 scrapped it 
and you're kind of stuck in the middle. Does that you ever seen cases like that with football where guys are no, just, I, like because I, I am like if if you have me work with your son, which I'm right. going to do right. sometime this summer, we're going to get out there and play catch <laughs> together and we'll watch him throw. Uh, similar to golf, uh, if I watch my if I ever had a lesson or if I watch my daughters get lesson a lesson, I guess when you're very young, you can tweak certain things. But I'm always like work with the structure of what feels natural, right? Like if you throw the ball a certain way, which Cam Newton does, if you want to tweak it subtly or if you want to straighten up his footwork so he's more balanced, so he has a better base to work with, then I'm okay with that. But when you're talking about that doesn't look like Cam Newton, like that yeah. looks like a different quarterback and the ball's in tight and he's really shortening it up, that's my concern because you've got guys like Phillip Rivers who kind of throws it sidearm. You had Marino who had the quickest release ever, brought it right here and just like, boom, just yeah. out of his hand. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's very mechanical, but his, his, uh, motion has never changed he's really honed in on the tighter like his left arm he's going to pull it down he's yeah. working on some other things but his throwing motion has always been the same i just think he's going to revert back to the way he's always thrown it so that right. brings and or if he tries to do it this way how much does it affect his strength his downfield throwing his accuracy well yeah that would be the thing right yeah because you have to be not only have to be accurate in completion percentage but you have to be accurate in keeping a guy running or throwing it just an inch out of the defender's arms you, right. know, you have to be exceptionally accurate and uh you know it's going to be something to keep an eye out for cam newton as he moves forward and it'll surely be a storyline for him this season watching his throwing motion all right back to the nba yeah. your buddy david griffin is the general manager of the new orleans pelicans yeah made a splash with a front office hire which we can get to in just a minute but he also has um Reportedly come out with some of the opportunities that he would be interested in seeking for Anthony Davis. Um, the Knicks, Lakers on a very short list. I think there's multiple teams that could be involved in this one. What's your hunch tell you? I don't know if you could say sources, but what's your hunch tell you? I, I, I'm not sourced on this. Okay. <laughs> I did speak to Griff. I, I spoke to Griff today. Um, Zion's in town for his his work out there today um or for his his meeting and stuff like that as it pertained to the AD stuff I didn't really get into it like Griff and I are buddies and I don't I don't want to be you know blurring those lines but I, this is what I know about Griff Griff isn't going to be bullied into doing anything Griff has a plan um he knows what he wants and when he articulates what he wants and he lets it be known what he wants um he's not going to stray from that very much now you know, in any deal, there, there may be a little something that doesn't get done exactly the one, the way you wanted it, or, you know, for the flip side, you may have to give up a little more than you wanted to give up to, to actually make it work. But, but the nuts and bolts of what he's trying to get, he's going to get. And it's not going to really matter, I would imagine, where that happens from Griff's perspective. You know, as long as he can get that deal done and the team that's acquiring, you know, AD is confident and the risk they run is whether he resigns with you or not. Like, Griff's, Griff's not going to be held hostage by the situation. So, from Adrian Wojnarowski, he was reporting that LA and New York are the teams that have, uh, been among the front offices inquiring about, um, Anthony Davis. Uh, Griff has been working to find multi-team trade scenarios that could redirect assets for players or picks more preferable to the Pelicans. That's where I think this job is so complex and people, you know, on the sideline think it's, oh, it's easier. I could do that job where you have to get creative and you bring ideas like this to the table yeah. to try to make a deal happens, a happen that you don't get worked over. Because I think a lot of guys would get worked over. It was always so fascinating to me sitting in the Cleveland like war room when, you know, stuff was trying to get done. And, you know, I'm, I was very 
like I'm not the most creative person in the world. I say that to Port all the time when we're talking about the show. Like that was that's not my my thing. But some of these minds that they that they have in these these offices, um, and the different scenarios that they can come up with. You know, I'm A and B. Like you and I trade, right? I give you one, you give me one, right? We're good. Right? I, I can like, grasp that. Yeah, it doesn't right? work like that. And so, you know, these guys will come in and they'll be like, "All right, we'll take, you know, we've got this sitting over in Oklahoma. Um, and if we can get them to take that, and you throw that in, and then we'll go over to Minnesota. They can add that to it and they'll clear this that. cap space, man. And they'll take it into their trade exception, right? Because they got the space. They can they can take that. They want it. And you got five teams involved in a deal now, and you wind up with Kevin Love, right? And you're like, what? What? What just happened? Like I. I never got to the point where I could fully understand that, but this will wind up being some variation of, of a, a multi-team deal that gets everybody kind of something, uh, somewhere around where they want to be. Yeah. You are probably at, um, probably college level degree where you look at the NBA trade stuff. I'm at elementary degree. Like when I look at some of these <laughs> right. and Griff is clearly a doctorate. Oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're in that position, you obviously know what you're doing. Uh, they also made a hire of Swin Cash, a former women's basketball player. Sure. I know her uh, from when she worked at ESPN. She was in broadcasting a little bit, really impressive woman. She was really, um, just a good personality. I have a question for you though. She was uh, hired to be the vice president of basketball operations and team development, yeah. which is what the official release said, uh, which is she will scout, help guide player development on and off the floor and assume other roles within the organization. Player development. What is, what is that? Well, player development. Is that like in the community or is that on the court? Well, it, I think it's branched out. When I was coming up in the league, it was on court stuff. Right. Player D was the guy who was on the court, grinding with the guys, putting them through drills and. So when I'm watching the game like last night and I see this little white dude like coming up and defending Steph Curry, that's a player, player development coach? Well, he could be. He could be just someone that's Assistant there. Coach yeah, 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 yeah. But they're, they're the player development guys are the ones in there. Like Toronto's guys, probably Phil Handy. Used to work with Kyrie, worked with us when we were with the Cavs. He's the one on court working guys, you know, with their bag, with their stuff that, uh, you know, they're trying to get off. So I, I imagine Swin, because she's got such a great basketball, um, resume and was such a great player. I, I imagine she'll be on court in some capacity. And then listen, she is a, she's a real businesswoman. She's yeah. really bright. And so, you know, part of dealing with NBA guys is, is, you know, especially young ones is helping them become pros, helping guide them through the process of, 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 you know, becoming a business person themselves, you know, and so I'm sure she'll be able to lend something to that as, as well. Griff is a guy who likes, you know, he likes basketball people around. Uh, he likes intelligent people around. He likes motivated people, uh, and they bring more to the table than just one thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she'll probably wear many hats for, for Griff there and, and touch a lot of different areas within the, the team. Absolutely. Um, What's become a topic of conversation, and it's been polarizing. I think we're at a way better place now than we were even five years ago when you didn't see many female executives, especially on coaching staffs. I think it all boils down to the players will respect you no matter what sex you are, if you're male, female, or whatever, and they will disrespect you no matter what if you don't know what you're doing. Correct. And clearly I think Swing Cash will represent herself just fine. Where just like any p- person in a new role, you have to earn that respect. You're not just given it, just like you're not given a job. And with this opportunity, I think she'll be able to represent herself just fine and will be a smashing success. Yeah, she's going to do great. Um, you know, the, the, the latitude that Griff gives you as an employee, he's not a micromanager. So he's going to allow her to kind of feel her way around the role. And, and she is really, really good. I mean, player wise and, and um like business business woman business person wise so th- they're going to have respect for her she's going to do a great job for griff and i'm telling you the pelicans are going to be headed in a different direction i don't know how long it'll take him to get them there cuz you know their pieces 
you know, there are players that are involved in that too. Yep. But organizationally, structurally, culturally, they will be headed in a different direction. They already are. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So one of your colleagues, I say colleagues, the guy you played against. Former, former colleague. Yeah. Former. Uh, Tony Parker had an incredible career. It is coming to a close. He's announced his retirement. Uh, after 18 years, Singing. really impressive uh, career. 17 with the Suns, one with the Hornets. He's 37 years old. With the Spurs. 17 with the Spurs. Um, this past season had zero starts. I think I, if you would have asked me yesterday what team was Tony Parker on, I would have forgotten and would be like, wait, wait, he's still around. Like, right. he, he, uh, but he did not play that much. 19 minutes a game, nine points. After uh, he spoke with the undefeated, talking about the process of why he retired now, his quote was, a lot of different stuff stuff ultimately led me to this decision but at the end of the day i was like if i can't beat tony parker anymore and i can't play for a championship i don't want to play basketball anymore newsflash you ain't been tony parker for a minute <laughs> right i just call it how it is right i, I love tony's my guy which is no offense to Not, him. nope but you haven't been that guy in a minute this is one of the ones where i would have liked tony parker to not play for charlotte Right. I would have liked for him to have just retired a lifetime spur um, and kind of ride off into the sunset. I think he overstayed. You know, I don't begrudge a dude for it. Like, I, if, as long as they're going to let you hoop and you love hooping, yep. you know, keep hooping. Like, you never, you never get that time back. You know, you're never going to get an opportunity to do that again. Keep riding it if they'll let you ride it a la Vince Carter. So yep. I don't really have a beef, but Not you had all. to know that you weren't Tony Parker. You haven't been producing like that. In almost four years, probably. At least. Right. And I'm, it's not throwing shade because Dirk wasn't Dirk the last right. three or four or five years yeah. either. I mean, right. you're just, age catches up with you. And I would always say, hey, go as long as you want to go. I don't, if you're a shell of your former self, if you still enjoy it, you still want to be out there, go for it. I, at least you got to call your own shot. I didn't get to call my own shot. I was sent packing. Like I could, right. I, I didn't have opportunities. You know, he was, he was able to do that. So that's way more than I could say. I do hear you though, as far as maybe was it one, two, one year too many because you could have closed it out all in one jersey, which when you think about it legacy wise, that's probably the most impressive thing you can do outside like Hall of Fame and all those things is playing in one location, one franchise. Yeah. That's as impressive as it gets. Um, Tony Parker was so remarkable because you know, he was, he wasn't really big. I mean, I, what did they list him at? 6'2, six, 6'3. Six, he wasn't small, but he wasn't big. And he wasn't really physically, um, imposing. He was relatively slight frame and he lived in the paint. Yeah. He got almost all of his buckets. It was remarkable. Almost every year he was one of the leaders in the NBA in points in the paint. Um, to do that guy, his stature, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, for sure. Did you know uh, today is the anniversary, the 22-year an- anniversary of the Michael Jordan flu game? Oh, no, I didn't Utah. know that. Do you think he gets too much credit for the flu game? Um, I don't know. Why? What, why? Was, they, I don't was, know. was his game not that good? How many no, no, his game I don't know. was great, but sometimes it's like, I don't know. Do you think he was as sick as he was? He was exhausted. He was there on the slumped over on the bench. I know. He looked like But like in today's society, people would probably accuse him of hamming it up too much. Don't you think? That's MJ, bro. Don't, 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 don't blasphememe. All right. He was on his deathbed the night before. He barely made it to the arena. MJ, bro. All right. Uh, today, three o'clock. Do you know what event we have coming up? Yeah. It's actually a really good sports time, uh, with all the stuff that's going on. U.S. women's national team. Play Thailand today. Yes. I need to learn. I don't need to learn. I need to pay attention to the gambling that could take place on this game. Right. 
Obviously, the women's team defending their title from the previous World Cup. They are favored, I'm assuming, against Thailand. I would hope so. They're the favorite to uh, to repeat right. uh, as World Cup champions. I need to figure out how I can do this. There are three matches today in the group stage. U.S. women's team uh, kicks off. That's the right term, right? I, I guess. Is it? It's kicks off. It kicks off. Gotta be right. Kick off. Come on. Uh, at 3 p.m., there are 24 teams in the U.S. Women's World Cup. You know what I'll do? Uh, I'll put it on at three o'clock, and I'll let my daughters watch. Like anytime there are women on TV, uh, any sport, women's uh, college World Series softball was yeah. on the other day. Women's golf. When I watched uh, my my friend's daughter, uh, sure. Jay Murray Green, go on the Women's U.S. Open, I'm watching it with them all the time to let them s- so they can picture themselves. Sure. In that position. I I honestly believe one of the reasons I made it as a professional athlete is because I could picture myself doing that. Right. Because not only because I watched him on TV, but I was very fortunate with my dad being in the business he was. I got to know a lot of professional athletes. So I would meet them like they're just normal. It wasn't like, an unattainable thing for you, right? Yeah. You could, you could relate. Yeah. yeah and I saw them as relate. human and yeah. yeah, they had gifts, but they were kind of normal. And I was like, if they can do it, why can't I? I, I do think having access, if you, if, not many people do, but if you ever have access as a kid to pros, I think that changes your perspective on what being a, a pro is. Not just how to treat it professionally and to hone your craft, but in terms of like they are people. This is an attainable thing. Right. This is something that could be done. You know, right. You're not deities. And, and, and that's exactly what Boogie Cousins was talking right. about earlier. He said, you know, we, uh, you guys all want us to be superhuman, but then you realize when we screw up, we're actually human. So right. I got to see the human side right. of it where they weren't just superhumans and they were out there. I love, uh, our U.S. women's national team. Like I will watch them play more than the men. I'll talk, I won't even watch, like I'll watch the men in World Cup. Well, they don't have a chance. But I don't watch men. their friendlies and stuff like that really. I watch the, the women's team and I am, I am a, uh, a product. I saw it the other day, the 99ers, like that 99. Yes. I, I remember that. You yep. know what I mean? And when Brandy Chastain, yeah. the game winning kick. And, and we've had a lot of success on the women's side. So like naturally, but, but just, I don't know why I like watching the women's team better. Maybe it is just because they are, they're a better product on the world stage than our men, but I will watch them. And I, and my, my little girl is only two. Right. I'm just watching it as, as a, as a fan. You yeah. Know? Uh, Coca put me on the spot here, but during our commercial break, he's like, can, how many players can you name? I was like, at least three. And I named three. Yeah. Out of defense. I can't name three men's players. Yeah. Real talk. <laughs> like, yeah. And, I, and they have, and they've deserved it. Right. They've won. Like I, our country wants to root for winners. I'll root for the U.S. men's team, but realistically, I know they probably don't have a chance to win. Right. Women's team have a chance to win this thing. Like oh, they're no. the favorites to do it. Uh, Coca has informed me that the, the women's team today against Thailand is a minus 8,000 favorite against Thailand, which tells a, me it's going to be a blowout. A good game to watch. Maybe we'll get to see a lot of action, a lot of scoring <laughs> yeah, in that game. Okay. The return, of, the return of the investment on that one for me not probably is not going to get it done, uh, for sure. So I'm going to be watching that for sure. I don't know if I'm going to watch the other one. Will you watch the men's team or will you watch the other women in the World Cup or just the no, women? No, I only watch it. I was going to say, yeah. if you were watching them, I would have been really impressed yeah, no, with no, your uh, soccer no, acumen. No, I'm not your that. boy Steve Nash might be watching all of them. He might. He's yeah. a soccer diehard. Oh, he's in. Yeah, he definitely will. All right. We're going to take a break. Actually, we're going to take a break take until a break. tomorrow. Yeah. We're a little, running a little light today? You have anything you yeah. want to talk about? No, I always tell Coco we're always light. Uh, you have a, a show that you want to tease, right? An NBA draft special? Is that what you guys are doing today? I do not even know. But you are involved in it. I am, yeah. 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 So you have to go get to studying and get prepped. Yeah, and probably be me. Speed. I mean, Reed Forgrave, I imagine. Yeah. We'll all have, our NBA like, experts will be out yeah. there. Yep. Hey. And then tomorrow, we will talk about the show that Raza was